0: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the godfather. Now at chumbacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void we prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
0: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
1: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Yes 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 hello and welcome to the Fresh Arsenal podcast with me JB and me PB. We are back and we might sound cheery but I think you will you will find that uh it's not football related. In fact it's not anything related. It's just good to start a podcast in this mood. Uh hopefully we've we've cheered you up already after yesterday's 2-0 defeat. Um but we could we could go through that game or we could just spend ages discussing the the Europa League victories. What do you think PB?
0: I think we... Should
1: we just pretend yesterday (laughs) never happened?
0: It feels like that, doesn't it? It feels a bit numbing now. A a defeat to Spurs. I mean, it feels terrible, but it's just... I think so many people expected it. So many people saw the script of exactly what happened, happening. And it was just a sense of inevitability about the whole thing.
1: Yeah, if I said to you before the game... How are they going to play and what, how's the game going to go? Is that basically what you would have predicted?
0: Yeah, I mean, I said on I said on Twitter and leading up to the game that I wasn't particularly scared of Spurs because they had that one weapon and I trusted us to do our homework on that one weapon and felt if we eliminated that, we had a good chance in the game. But, you know, what, 10 minutes in... Exactly that happened. Kane yeah. picks the ball up deep, central, gives it to Son. I mean, it's a magnificent finish, but you just knew it was going to happen, didn't you?
1: Yeah, and I think the frustrating thing for me is we've seen it all season, right? Like, it, it's not, you know, it, it, it's good. It's a good way of scoring goals, but it's very predictable. And I think what you've seen with Spurs mm. this season is when teams have been stupid enough to uh, you know, get confused by how to deal with Kane dropping deep, And they've played high lines and they've ignored Sons' run, which is the only weapon Spurs have. This just happens. Um, And every team that's been sensible, they've struggled to score against. So I thought thought going into this that the sensible thing for us to do, I I was reasonably sure that Arteta was going to go back to the back three and we were going to just sit in there and make them pick us off. But um, sadly, that's not what happened. And, And I think there's a frustration there in seeing a team like Spurs who are doing really well without actually being that good. Um I, I think Chelsea showed that if you don't if you don't really commit against them they can't do much to you. Um hmm. and, and that's the frustration. So so there we go. I think you know I've set my cards on the table. I expected a back 3. What did you think of the lineup when it came out?
0: I think when people saw it we thought, you know, Aubameyang and Lacazette together everyone sort of thought it was going to be a three, didn't they? But I I had a sneaky feeling that Arteta didn't want to go back to that because there was a few mind games from Mourinho in the week where he said, we know how they play against the big teams. Sort of, you know, second guessing that Arsenal would go back to the three and I felt like Arteta might try and sort of fall for those mind games and stick to his new four at the back. I don't necessarily think, a lot of people are saying if we had the three, it might have helped uh, stop. Those those two first half goals from Spurs, I don't think it's necessarily the three or the four. I think it was just about doing the homework on that one move, as we've said. Um, mm. You know, there's ways in a four at the back to stop to stop exactly what they did for that first goal, especially.
1: Yeah, I mean they attack with three players, right? Um, and Berggren didn't do much today, so it's it's really get tight to Kane, stop him turning, kick him if mm. you have to, and then. You know, know know that Son's going to make that run and have one person pick him up and someone drop off. But yeah, we'll, we'll we'll come on to the goals. So I guess the only real surprise in that starting lineup, unless I mean David Luiz wasn't available, so I think you can kind of predict the rest of the team. Uh, and no Pepe, and we'll come to the Pepe section, the the hour long Pepe special later, where we'll be bringing you a, a kind of minute by minute review of what Pepe was doing during the game. Mm. Uh, but in the meantime the only real surprise in that lineup for me was, was that Partey was fit i know we had rumours during the week um i guess i say the rumour that, that that partey was fit i mean he played i don't know if we can say he was fit because he didn't last the first half but what did you think of that with with it's easy to say but with hindsight was that a a panicky move or do you think it was something that could have could have
0: paid off i mean we don't know the results of the scans and, and what the medical team were saying, but if there was any, if there was any doubt from the medical side of it, it infuriates me that he he played at all. Um, I think I, I tweeted before the game when he was named in the in the team that I guess he must be fully fit. or, or I hope he is fully fit then, because obviously you want to win the derby and win a, a terrible position, but there's so many games coming up, yeah, uh, in this next two weeks. And to risk him missing a few of those for one game was just just ludicrous. If there was any risk, it's hard for us to know. But I guess because he didn't last a half, there must, have, there must have been some sort of medical guidance to say he wasn't ready.
1: Yeah, and we'll see what they say it was, right? So I think the story about his injury before this game was a thigh injury. It looked mm. like he was holding his hamstring. Um, I don't know. I assume when people say thigh injury, they mean the front of the thigh, mm. uh, like like the quads. So it might be a different injury, which I guess is less bad, but still not good. Uh, but yeah, it looks like it was a bit of a... I, I don't want to call it a panicky decision, but it's a manager under pressure. Um, I definitely think everything he has said and done suggests he doesn't think we can play a certain way without Partey. He clearly doesn't think the other midfielders are up to it. Um, and I think he he made a call basically saying, you know, I think that there's a lot of what Arteta has done since he came in, has told us he doesn't think most of the squad is up to it. Uh, he played a certain way when he came in. He, he played with the back three. He didn't press high. He desperately wanted to sign a certain type of midfielder. Um you know, what we can agree or disagree, but I th- I think he just doesn't think a lot of the players are up to it. And and I think that was behind the party thing. But but I agree with you, right? Like if we hadn't lost however many games in the our last few games, I don't think you make this decision because I think you take a longer term view and you say, I'd rather win our games in December, uh, where we've got a run of fixtures than than put everything into this one game, even though it's Spurs. And now we've lost that game and we have an injured party, which it might be a week, might be six weeks, but it was avoidable. So, yeah, it's 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 frustrating. Um, these gambles always look worse when they don't work. Uh, and now, and now we're in, we're in a bit of stick. I mean, do you think there's something? Uh, am I making things up? Like keeping Louise on last week, playing Party this week, they don't feel calm, composed decisions, do they?
0: No, not at all. I mean. When I saw he was included in the lineup, I hoped that the whole he, you know, some rumours leaking that he might be out till January, might have been our sort of version of Spurs saying Kane's out before every derby. Mm-hmm. You know that that we were very confident that he would be fine, um, but you know it's clearly not the case. And as you say, there's a sense of reactiveness, uh, urgency, desperation in that decision. Same thing with Louise. You know, not wanting to make one of your three substitutions that early, I think that was that was behind that one. Um, yeah, it's it's a not a great look. I think there's also what you say in terms of a reliance on party in midfield. Feels like he relies on Louise a bit in defence as well. He'll play him whenever he possibly can. Uh, clearly, he probably was attempting some headers in training and not being uh, very convincing with them because they they were keen to stress, weren't they, that it wasn't concussion keeping him out. It was the fact that his his sort of uh, cut on his head was not enabling him to head the ball comfortably and that we, we definitely didn't want, want that during the game. But, um, yeah, it's a sense of short-termism, which I don't think he's been put under pressure, but it's almost... Maybe he's creating the pressure for himself. I mean, the, the league table creates an element of pressure, whether that's coming from your, your boss or not. But it seems like he's a lot less composed than he was a few months ago.
1: Yeah, I think everything's everything's easy when you're new because you can blame everything on the prior people. Mm. And everything's easy when you're winning because you, know, you can get away with almost any style of play and any... You know, even the underlying metrics, right? When we were winning and not playing well, it's very easy to excuse them because you point to the results and everyone just believes other things are going to get better. I think, you know, in the, in, and I don't want to compare Arteta to Emery, but, you know, in the same way that the chickens came home to roost with the with the Emery win streak, it's kind of, you, you can put off the underlying metrics for however long, but they will come back to bite you if you don't correct them. So I think that's kind of what we're seeing here. I mean, when you, when you look at the game itself, you know, football is a game of moments and and you could argue that we weren't terrible for 85 minutes, but Tottenham kind of were just in control for the whole game, weren't they? Like It wasn't, you know, we had a lot of the ball, we didn't create much with it um, and and fine, they didn't have many or any shots in the second half, I don't think, but they didn't want to or need to. Uh, Hmm. So it was really hard to kind of get under the the kind of dynamics of the game. I find it hard to say we were the better team in the second half when they chose not to attack us. I think if they'd had to score another one, they probably could have. Um, I mean, what do you think about, should we get into the goals then? What do you think about the first goal in particular?
0: <laughs> I didn't want to have to think about it again. don't have cameras I mean. on, but I imagine you're crying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is exactly, as we've said, exactly what we knew was going to happen. It's Kane in the middle of the pitch, picking it up deep. The challenge needs to come on in hard. And I think they didn't, they, they did let us have the ball in the second half, but I think they still would have liked to counter and scored a third. Mm. And I think we did handle it a lot better in the second half, but it was too late at that point. But what I don't understand is why we can't, we couldn't have defended that counter attack in the way we did in the second half, it, in the first half. Yeah. Because as I say, we should have been completely aware that that was exactly what they were going to go try and do. So Kane should have been stopped before he can get the ball to Son. And, you know, we should have had someone watching Son the whole game, staying very close to Son, knowing that's the, the main outlet. Unfortunately, when Son gets the ball, he then travels with it for about 10 yards, I think, and all of our defenders back off. Um, we know Son's quality. I mean, it's, it's a good goal, but you know that he can score from those distances, so we shouldn't be allowing... You Know that I think we had three versus one in that moment, so someone's got to go and close close them down. We've still got extra numbers behind them, it wasn't like the second goal, mm. yeah. I
1: think, look, I think the thing for me is, is you know, whenever you look at a goal, there are defensive mistakes, right? You're not, mm. you know, 99% of the time, goals don't, aren't scored when teams defend well. You might get the odd wonder goal, but there's always something you could do, yeah. I think the frustration here is what looks like a simple goal and was a simple goal that spurs scored so many things we did were wrong so if you think about it we had the ball high on our right bellerin had it and we'll we'll talk about him but bellerin had it and he he just put a an aimless cross into the box right it was floaty it didn't really have any intention on it i think there was one target maybe in the box and it was pointless right it wasn't it was just it was just never going to result in anything good so he put that in and we can discuss that as a tactic but he put that in Willian I, I can't even remember where William was but he was I think he was just standing next to Bellerin uh, and as bad as I thought Bellerin was yesterday I think a lot of his issues and that includes his positioning are kind of a symptom of Willian so he often ends up much higher up the pitch than we need or would want Because he is actually the one getting in behind on the right because William just does nothing. Mm. So that happened. What then happened behind is chaos. So Bellerin and William are up the pitch. There are no central midfielders, and you'd expect it to be a central midfielder, covering the space that those two have left open. And what that basically meant was that Son had the whole left-hand side of the pitch to just do what he wanted in. So the ball comes out of their box, flying down the pitch to, to Harry Kane, who does what he always does. It's not difficult, right? I know he gets a lot of credit for it, but he just takes a touch and he lumps it into space. A lot of players can do that. No one's tight enough to him. He takes a decent touch, but it kind of bobbles up in the air. I think he wrong-foots party with it. Um, And he just lays it off to Son. Son then robs, robs, runs at Rob Holding, who is not a fullback, but is basically playing one-on-one with a, a very informed winger. And, like, you know, say what you like about Rob Holding, and he's not an elite centre back. I don't think you can expect much of him here. So he's backing off, trying to just keep some distance so the guy can't go past him. Their left back manages to overlap, and no one tracks him. So Holding starts running off down the. Because Bellerin's now got back, right? But Bellerin, before that, which I missed, sorry, Bellerin got attracted to Kane in the centre circle instead of running to Son. Don't know why. On his recovery one, he just took a little detour via the middle of the pitch. He was never getting there, and then he was out of the place for Son. So Bellerin is tucked inside Holding, which he did against Villa all game. So Holding's now right back, and Bellerin's now centre-back. Holding then runs off down, down our right-hand side to track uh, Reguillon, who is not a threat where he was, and leaves basically Son 35 yards out with Bellerin, who's kind of in no-man's land between the centre-back and the, the right-back, playing as the right centre-back for some reason, right? And then what happens is Leno adjusts his positioning, because I think he thinks that the pass might, to Regio might be on. He's slightly off centre, takes a slight step back. Bellerin realises that no one is closing Son down, takes a step forward and slips on his arse. And Leno, because he stepped the wrong way, basically leaves three quarters of the goal open for Son. Now it's a good shot. But a goalkeeper with slightly better positioning and a slightly taller goalkeeper, dare I say it, has a decent chance of stopping that. It's a very good shot and maybe he wasn't expecting it, but it does not go into the corner. It goes comfortably a few feet inside the post and probably three or four feet off the ground. So I just like there are so many things we could have done in that move to stop that goal being scored. And individual mistakes, positioning errors, system errors. I don't even know where to begin with it, but it's just chaos. And like all of that started with us having the ball in their half and just wasting it with a stupid cross. And I like, as you said, it's so predictable, but it's so preventable and it shouldn't be happening at that level. Anyway, I will stop speaking now, but I am just, oh,
0: a lot of frustration. I think behind a lot of the things you're talking about is just a real lack of, even from experienced players, a lack of experience on on the pitch. Experience, mm. a lack of athleticism is is so huge in this team. That's what party adds. You know, a fully fit party adds, but we need it. You know, there's five or six positions where we really lack athleticism, and experience for for doing the right things in games, doing the basic things. And that's why I think it comes down to the players because we've seen them go through spells, positive spells of doing the right things, but then they'll just quite easily flash out and and deliver some terrible performances. And I think yesterday we weren't great, but the Wolves first half particularly and the Villa first half were just so alarming that players of that quality can, can perform so poorly. Yeah. Though those were the two real low points of the season for me. Uh with the villa, the whole villa game, to be honest, and the Wolves, the Wolves first half. I just don't understand how players of that ability can can perform so poorly.
1: I it's a tough one, right? Because I think we saw a little bit under Emery, and again, I don't like comparing Arteta and Emery, but I think what we did see under Emery was what happens when players don't know what to do or don't know what they're supposed to be doing. Um, And what it's kind of hard to unpick with this slot is like the extent to which his players not knowing what to do and knowing what to do and not being able to do it. Um, And and I get the sense from Arteta that he just thinks they're useless. Right. And, And it's kind of probably not good if we get that sense from, from the manager that he doesn't think his
0: players are up to it and that's another but it doesn't desperation mean he's wrong thing, isn't it i mean the the fact that he's come out and and said this i think it was to the spanish press you know rather than the english press for whatever reason he's he pretty much said he's six first 11 players away from from playing how he wants to play yeah now now saying that so publicly is another sort of desperation cry for you know, quite rightly for investment but that screams to me a bit of pressure as well. And people are saying he's not under pressure, but all these things add up to suggest he's sort of trying to save his own face. Um, There's something going on. I I feel like there's some pressure from somewhere. It might just be the pressure he's creating on himself or from what he reads, you know, in the press or from the fans or whatever, but I think he does
1: absolutely create pressure on himself. Right. So, so a really good example is like the Partey Partey going off for that second goal right
0: hmm.
1: what do you think of it
0: it's you know i've i've read both sides of the argument uh but for me he comes off to speak to the manager when we're on an attack yes how that's how that's communicated then throughout the team is what i have a problem with because you then have Shaka, you know, higher than he he ever normally is anyway, even when he's got a midfield partner on the pitch. Yeah. He's probably not been made aware of parties having to go off. So for that moment where he's going to have a word with Arteta, whilst we're attacking, Shaka should be sitting, you know, the fullbacks maybe shouldn't be quite as high, or even our team, we were in possession of the ball when it happens, should kick the ball out. Yeah. How it's managed as a team is not good. I'm not so much... Uh, thinking that he should have stayed on and done what he, he could. Yeah. Because we don't know what situation he was in in terms of pain and and that little extra run that he did um, from, from Arteta sort of pushing him back on in desperation again. Yeah. It has yeah. potentially aggravated his, his injury more. And, that, yeah. you know, who knows? That might make him miss an extra two games.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, you don't know. You don't really know the damage you do. But...
0: Hmm.
1: I'm completely with you on uh, the reason I brought this up, right? So I think we could have handled it better, but I'm completely with you on he's hes a midfielder who's been injured. He's got injured during the game. And we had like, I don't know if it was a three-on-one, but we had two or three players in their box. I think they only had one player. I honestly thought that like for most teams, that's a goal scoring opportunity. So if you're a central midfielder, or a defensive midfielder, or whatever role he was in at that time, and you get injured where you've got your fullback and a striker and another attacking player bearing down on the opposition goal, I don't think it crosses your mind that this might not be a good time to kind of wander over to the sideline. Mm -hmm. Like, if that happened in my Sunday League team, I would be like, okay, we're going to get a goal or a corner here, so I'm just going to kind of walk across the side and let them know that I'm injured. Uh, Maybe he got that a bit wrong, but it's not that big a deal. Like, the bigger issue for me is that we just completely ballsed up that opportunity and let them run
0: down the other end. Yeah, I think we were overcommitted anyway, right? Even if he was on. Yeah, like, they still have... Like, four or five on two. Yeah, okay, so four on three, five on
1: three. Like, okay, and what's he going to do? Hobble around and get more injured. You know, maybe, Mm. maybe, and I'm not condoning cheating here, but given Spurs do it, maybe fake a head injury. I don't know. Or Mm. lie in the middle of the pitch rolling around. Um, But whatever. Point being. This could have been dealt with. It was it was a misunderstanding, and I don't really blame anyone for it. There's now like news stories about it, and there's a there's a like an investigation, and Arteta's gonna have a chat with Partey. Now I don't know if that's the media, but we need to get much better at, you know, we talk about Arteta feeling the pressure. We need to be much better at just saying, look, there's no story here, go away. Hmm. There's no story here. You know, like with Pepe, I'll deal with it internally. Or like with all the other bullshit of William going, no one gives a shit, I don't care. I bet you half of this happens at every other club, but they deal with it or they refuse to comment on it or they tell everyone to leave them alone because it's not a big deal. I think there's an issue here where you've got a new manager who wants to be seen as being in control and, and kind of bringing the discipline in. And you've got an inexperienced club hierarchy and they're not very good that
0: just, just kind of refocusing the media attention. Do you think any part of how he's handled, you know, Pepe red card in the immediate aftermath and this party incident is about him saving personal face? face because he made a big deal. Obviously, it was a, re, a red card, it was a big deal, it was a headbutt, etc. But he did make a big deal Uh, deal about that after the game made it a big talking point to sort of show you know we haven't scored because we lost one of our attacking players to something stupid and I'm going to deal with it and then obviously with this he's made it out potentially to be a big deal to say like what can I do but partly putting the blame on some of the players I'm not saying that is but as you're talking it through there um, it just came to mind really Do you you know what this reminds me of right? It's like when you've got
1: someone straight out of university doing a grad job and they turn up in like a perfect suit day one with like their hair perfectly done and like the tie they spent hours on and they just like, it's like, take me seriously. I belong at the big boy table. Um mm. And I just think there's, there have been a few things I've seen from Arteta where he's just been a bit too serious. He just could have relaxed a bit where a more experienced proven manager probably would have laughed it off a bit. And I don't blame him, but I think he's creating more pressure and more issues for himself there. Like, I I, I agree with you. I think it's a bit like, take me seriously. So I, you know, I'm going to make sure I'm really serious about this and everyone sees how much I care about discipline and making sure the squad's going in the right direction. And we fix the culture that like, he's 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 gonna missing these open goals to just get just dismiss things
0: yeah I mean we signed up for this right when we we employed Arteta as a a new manager in any industry is going to take some time to find their balance in terms of strictness levels and you know how they discipline people and he was always going to make mistakes and find that balance in a very public light and I think to a, to a degree, we've, got to, we've invested in Arteta. We've got to go on that learning curve with him. Um, but as you sort of alluded to previously, he hasn't got, due to our, some of the sort of changes we've made in the hierarchy, we don't have that seniority above him to help guide him, really, as, as it currently is. Yeah, I think that's a problem. It's tricky, uh, and I
1: agree with you, right? Like, I think um, I think when you inve- invest in a young manager, you, you know that um, you know you're kind of investing in the good and the bad, right? Like, hmm. you know, Venga's stuff about putting a young centre back in—you know they're going to make mistakes, but you're investing in the longer term. I think it's naive to go and hire someone for their first managerial job and expect them to get things right all the time, especially as it's probably, you know, it's, it's a more complicated role. So I, 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 I am, I was fully behind appointing Arteta and I am fully behind him. Right. But don't go and appoint him. If you are not prepared for this. Yeah. If you are not prepared for mistakes, if you are not prepared for misjudgments, like there's a reason most managers prove themselves in, in youth setups and, and, in smaller clubs first it's difficult to kind of come in from day one and know how to deal with everything like pep dealt with the academy team first freddie talked about it i get it i mean even Stephen gerrard did stuff at liverpool and maybe Arteta would have benefited from that but like we we are where we are mm-hmm. um i don't know if it's going to work out but I, I i do think that we can't you know, like you have to hold into a high standard and ultimately there's like a you know, there is a point where you could say it's not working. I don't I don't think we're there yet, by the way. But you know, that has to exist as a as a kind of concept. Sure. Um but you can't I mean you can, but it's not very sensible to go and go, we'll go for someone who's never managed before and then throw your toys out of the pram when they do things that are just a symptom of never having managed before. Hmm. Like that you it's just a bit You know, I think one of the biggest issues with Arsenal over the last few years is how short-sighted and kind of fickle we've been with our vision. Where we just jump between, like, we jump between managers, we jump between players, we jump between playing styles, recruitment strategies, fucking directors of football. Like, Mm. you can't keep doing that and expect the club to go anywhere. Now, Arteta, there there will be a point. There should there will has to be a point where Arteta you know, conceptually fails, right? That has to exist. But you can't, I just don't think we're there. Like, I don't think you can, you can give him Emery's squad plus two players of which one's been injured all season and go, ah, oh, why haven't you fixed everything? I don't think you can get angry at some small disciplinary things that sound like Carlo Ancelotti would have done better. Like, if that's what you want, go and hire that guy last year.
0: Hmm. I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think where people, maybe the most frustration lies is what Arteta said post-match in in the Spurs game in that the players, uh, something like the players approached the game, played the game exactly as I asked them to do. Uh, Potentially an element of protecting the players there, but that's a brave thing to say when you, as we've sort of talked about, you've allowed your biggest rivals to do their one move twice and go 2-0 no up and then do exactly what Mourinho would have wanted to do. And we look, we had 80% of the ball, but we didn't create any serious chances, a couple of half chances. Um, and to then go out and say that's exactly what he wanted, and he seemed quite persistent on this crossing style. Mm-hmm. And we saw it in the second half of the Wolves game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he he said after that game something like if we continue putting in 30 plus crosses or whatever it was in games then we're going to see better results I mean we did it again against Spurs and we didn't score a goal is you know that's that's a worrying thing for for most fans to hear how do you feel about this this crossing approach why do you think it's happening so so I think first of
1: all crosses are are not homogenous right you can have crosses from deep, you can have crosses from the byline, you can have cutbacks, you can have any number of different types of crosses. And I think the other thing to bear in mind, I haven't seen the numbers, but someone said this, and someone reasonably reliable said this, I think the teams that cross most in the league are Liverpool and Man City. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, they do it differently, right? City get to the byline, they put balls across the box on the floor, and Liverpool... You know, they have those fullbacks who who put in ridiculous crosses and they don't actually have anyone in their team who you would think of as a kind of guy you cross to in the box. Yeah. So I think that crossing in the right way and in the right situation is fine. Crossing is a tactic and the primary tactic is um, very, very low percentage and kind of difficult to difficult to kind of get my head around as the main tactic. But I think yeah. that... I think that what you do have is, I I think what he wants is kind of combination in wide areas and then aggressive crosses like those low fired balls. I don't think
0: he wants floaty crosses, but it's difficult to know. Um, But he's saying the players did exactly what he asked, right? So if he wants those powerful. Maybe, but maybe maybe there's a confidence
1: thing. Maybe like he doesn't want, or maybe, maybe what he meant is we get it wide well. I don't know. Like I can't read his mind. I think there's probably a confidence thing of him saying, look, you're, kind of, you're doing 95% of it well. Now we just need to work on the last 5%. Because the other way of looking at it, right, is, is if you put 44 crosses, or was it 54? I don't know. If you put however many crosses into the box, what you are saying is you are getting the ball high and wide often, right? We, we have got the ball to fullbacks and wingers kind of in the final third or even more advanced than that at least 40 times in one game.
0: Hmm.
1: now that is not bad in itself so I guess if I if you then work from there and say well if if you can instead of just putting speculative crosses in the ball into the box you know if, if that's Pepe instead of Willian and if you can get a couple of overlapping runs and some combinations actually you can create pretty good chances from those areas hmm. not necessarily with crosses um, but with smarter combination play so i'm not I can't believe that the main plan is just whipping speculative crosses to tomia. I just don't believe that um if that is the case, that's a bit
0: of a red flag, but like I can't, he, he's far too intelligent. you know people talk about his intelligence he's, he's been in the game for so long, and I know that some of these quotes and that's why I brought it up sort of allude to that he he thinks and I saw on the skype. Sky Sports um, analysis sort of saying that they're mm-hmm. whipping crosses for Aubameyang's head in. As you say there, he he's not that stupid. He can't be that stupid to actually be playing in a way where he thinks get the ball wide, cross from deep in for Aubameyang's head. That can't be. No, I mean, I think he wants like, you know, the KDB crosses. Can you play someone into a channel and
1: they hit that first time like low whipped cross behind, you know, into the corridor of uncertainty? Mm. Like I think that works as a strategy. That works as a plan. There are smart teams in Germany who play long balls and crosses um, for the chaos it creates. They they win the second ball. They win the knockdown, or a ball gets deflected, and they they kind of train to to deal with that. I don't know, but I think those
0: things are smart. Those things do create chances. And look, a lot of the reason we're going wide is because we don't have that creativity centrally, right? And and teams know that. And a lot of the reason we ended up with so many crosses in both games is teams are aware of our lack of creativity centrally, so they're forcing us wide. Yeah. And that's where the space is. So Yeah, I think look, I, I think, think that's, that's a very good sense.
1: point. That's a very good point, which is that um part of this is is a function of, of wolves and spurs literally just blocking off the middle of the pitch, right? We've gone there mm. because we've been f- we've been given the wide areas. Yeah. I don't think we are. Well, maybe we are choosing to go wide by default because we don't have a midfield. But I also think if we wanted to go through the middle, we don't have the system or players to do it right now. Yeah. Um, And that's okay. Right. Like it's not ideal, but like city create a lot when you get a right back KDB and another player in the, you know, the right back, right winger and, and the right eight combine right liverpool create a lot when trent seller and and henderson combine on the right right there's there's no there's no reason why arsenal so there might be a reason why we can't do it it's not it's not unfathomable that that's the kind of thing he's trying to do when he talks about getting it wide well you your list you're
0: listing for yeah that's it isn't it the players you've just listed there for liverpool man city versus our Bellerin, Willian william combinations um, it's just it's, it's, it's a different league isn't it and we need you know Man City do go wide a lot but they always have they've had the options of the likes of David Silva last year De Bruyne now, you've got Foden floating around from wide central areas you know if you force Man City wide you know they can do stuff wide but if you keep them from wide they'll do stuff in the middle as well we need more than one plan we don't have the person that personnel to do that and teams have gotten onto that and that's why the likes of Wolves and Spurs have let us have the ball. Um so I guess the question is what what do we do? Because we've got an awful lot of games now before January, even if we were to go out and sign two players at the start of January, which I think's never gonna happen if we look previous years, if we ever do anything in January it tends to be towards the end. I don't think we can afford to do that again, but I have no confidence that it will be any different this year so there's a there's a lot of games now that we're going to have to get through probably without party and without any new signings so where do we go from here good segue I like that
1: where do we go from here I, th- I think that he just needs to lean into whatever the idea is right like I think I don't know if he's been tinkering because I don't think we've played massively different systems the last few games. We've done a little bit of a boxing on Thursday. We did a more of a 4-2-3-1 before that. Um, I think he just needs to put the team out in however Mikel Arteta wants to play. And if the team can't play like that, I'd rather see us fail trying to play the way he wants to play than kind of stumble through. Hmm. Um and at least, like, we will see, at least we will see where it doesn't work. At least we will be able to see the holes and the players that are good enough will learn. Because, like, I'm okay playing the back three for like City games and Chelsea games, but ultimately, if you want Gabrielle to, to kind of be ready. You don't want to have to kind of put Arsenal FC on hold until you get 11 players you think can play this system. And then you teach everyone the system at the same time. Like, surely what you need to do is say, right, Gabrielle, Tierney. Saka, all you lot, you are part of this first team. We're going to play this way. We will replace the others as as soon as we can, but like, at least when other people come in, half the team knows what we're trying to do. Mm. So Go that way. Lean into youth. If people are not up to it, just fucking don't play them. Um, I would give Maitland-Niles a go in midfield again. I know he has weaknesses. I know he's not amazing technically. I know he's not a great passer, but he is good defensively. He's brilliant 1v1. He can carry the ball like others can't. Like I wouldn't want to play against him in midfield. He's just run past people for fun. Mm. You don't have to have the most technical midfield in the world. And and you definitely need some you need some technicality or some physicality or the intensity. We can't keep playing a midfield that has none of it. Jacker has seemingly lost the ability to pass, which was his one redeeming trait. Like he's missing five-yard passes now. Mm-hmm. go and lean into the players we want to be at the club. Go and lean into the young players because even if they don't work out, we'll go and get money for them. We'll do an Awobi. So play Willock, play Nelson, play Maitland-Niles and just see what happens. Like Pepe's back. He's got one more game out than he's back. Um, just, yeah, like I, I don't think there's much else to lose. I'd rather, and, and I really, really want Arteta to work out. But if he doesn't work out, the worst thing is for him not to work out Having like compromised and just kind of been dragged into a mess, right? If he goes mm. out playing the way he wants and it doesn't work, then fine. But you you don't want kind of regrets about what could have been if Arteta had kind of had had the balls to, or kind of had had the freedom to kind of go and play his way.
0: Mm. And
1: yeah, this I might be it's... his way. We might be completely wrong. I just it just doesn't feel like it is, and he is telling us that it isn't.
0: Yeah. I think you touched on it there with with Xhaka. I think I've never been a, a massive hater of his, but I think he does epitomise what's wrong at the moment in that he's so predictable, very one-dimensional in midfield. Uh, and that makes it so easy for teams to play against us. Mm-hmm. There's a question mark whether he's at the club long-term. And I think there's something going on there in that he probably knows he's not. Um you know, these transfers transfers that are going to happen next summer will be in discussions now. And since the arrival of Partey, he's, he's definitely dropped off in form, dropped off in, in desire and things like that. So I think something's going on there. And there's a lot of players with contracts out next summer or the year after. There's something like 50% of the squad in the next two years We're either certainly going to sell or their contracts are running out. And that just creates such a short-term culture at the club and negativity you know how many of these players really care really care about the weather arsenal playing the bloody championship in two years time you know that, that that's a huge problem for me and we need to play more of the players who do care about the long-term future and touch on a couple of the Helland Academy kids who obviously care about the club a lot more than than some of the more senior players at the moment
1: yeah, it's it's an interesting point, right? I think that when, when a new manager comes in, everyone's kind of playing for their future and everyone thinks they've got a, you know, a rebirth, a chance to kind of actually stay and play. Because I, I do think that loads of these players, I think Arsenal's a desirable club to play for um, and for good and bad reasons, right? Everyone wants to play in London. People want to live and play in London. It's a well-supported club, nice kit, um, nice part of London. <laughs> like, yeah, but you joke, right? And there's the history. And then there's the other reasons, which is like pretty low pressure. You can kind of get around dicking around. We give out big contracts to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, training grounds are really nice. And and all the stuff that Arteta was trying to kind of, or apparently trying to get rid of. Um, and, and and like the Willian contract, just as one example, doesn't sit right with me mainly because of that. Like mm-hmm. if you're trying to get rid of that culture of Arsenal will just give you money and you don't have to turn up. um, you don't go and bring in someone at the end of their career, right? You bring in kind of hungry people who want to do something. So mm. I, I do think there's a thing now where a lot of players know they will not be getting a new contract and yeah. whether it's consciously or subconsciously, it just kind of packed it in. Um, yeah. Maybe they don't want to get injured. Maybe they're just kind of, they're fed up. Maybe you just cannot, I don't know. Maybe you just cannot play with that same intensity once you know, it's up, right? Once you know, the game is up, maybe you just lose that 10%. Because part of that is, is, it comes from the, the buying into stuff. And maybe some of them are just shit, right? Maybe some of them are just not good enough anymore. Um, I think one of the things I've been saying is like, we talk about this as a team that should be top four or should be top six or is good enough to be wherever. But when you actually look around our squad, how many players are there that you can look at and say in the last three years, they have had any spell of form that is consistently European standard? Not many. Right, there are players who have had good games, but outside of our new signings, there are not many players out here that that really can evidence being better than our current level, and that that worries me because I think I think we were projecting onto this team from where we were four or five years ago, and some of the football we've seen us play. But actually, eh, there's not like a lot of these players could go and play for Southampton or Everton or 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 Leeds. Um, and I'm just picking random teams there, but like mid-table Premier League sides, like we are, but mid-table Premier League sides, and you wouldn't be going, Oh, that guy or Brighton, oh, you know, uh Granite Jacker is too good for Brighton. Why is he playing there? Or mm. well, how did how did Leeds get William on a free? He's amazing. Like that wouldn't happen, and that is awful to be able to say about Arsenal. So yeah. I I agree, like it's gonna be painful. Um but there's yeah, going to I mean, be huge, players, there has to be huge squad turnover.
0: Yeah, there's players, and that's why I, I struggle to see people turning their nose up at, at um, some players in in the lower half of Premier League teams that do stand out. Because as you say, our players, some players that start for us regularly wouldn't be standing out on those teams. So there's a case for, for shopping in the Premier League, uh, Premier League proven some young, good players around. I mean, we've even been linked to uh Buendio, who plays in the championship and yeah. it's hard to argue that he wouldn't improve us at least Max as Aaron's an option off the bench another one yeah you know so there's so many players around and that's why I don't want to see any excuses in January about it being a difficult window no nope. I, mean, so I mean look at what
1: look at do. what we miss like Leeds Rafinha at Leeds 20 million
0: yeah not not a world beater. It.
1: massively would 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 improve us when we need people who can do things out of nowhere brighton yeah. 16th they have probably got five players who would improve us I just mm-hmm. off the top of my head. Um, like we don't need to buy from the Premier League, but the point is w- we really need to like overhaul half our squad. Um and and whilst I think any, you know, a top manager would be getting more out of the current squad, I'm increasingly of the view that I don't think anyone would be top four with this squad. I just like no. I just there's, there's no evidence to say it's that good. I, I know we look on paper and we look at FIFA ratings and whatever, but where, like, where is the kind of actual, like, go and show me games, go and show me data, go and show me, like, video footage of our squad. You know, like, YouTube videos can make anyone look good, and I don't think you could make a YouTube compilation of any Arsenal player in the last... 18 months and make them look like a 30 million pound player except for the ones we've bought <laughs> for 30 million um so so yeah Anyway, so how
0: do we navigate this next month then because i'm just looking at the fixtures and a lot's been i've been reading a lot today about how our fixtures are terrible in the next month but when i take i'm going to read out the games ignoring the europa league and and the efl we've obviously got man city in the in the final. Yeah, but these are our Premier League games taking us to mid-January, which is when we could reasonably expect maybe some some new players. So we've got Burnley at home, Southampton at home, Everton away, Chelsea at home, Brighton and West Brom away, Palace and Newcastle at home. Now, to me, I that's think we probably our easiest, <laughs> but I think that's probably going to be our easiest run of games. You know, the Premier League's very hard every week and I'm not saying any of those games will be easy but we've got a lot of home games in there against teams in the bottom half you know if we don't and people talk about what would it take for Arteta to be under serious pressure if we're still you know in the bottom five six after that run after playing all those home games and we're not scoring goals yeah then I mean, a decision would have to be made because we'd be in serious trouble because if we've got a run of fixtures like that, I know what will happen when we've got harder fixtures. obviously after those games. I mean, the worst part of all of this is our our best bet is probably winning the Europa
1: League and
0: probably going to have like,
1: probably gonna have like Real Madrid in the Europa League after January. (laughs) So that's not going to be fun. Um, yeah, look, I, I agree with you. I think we're going to have to turn a corner at some point. Um, it's not sustainable not to. I, th- I think, you know, it's it's kind of get through to January mode, but we've still got five or six games between now and then, which is scary. Um, and then, like, do I trust the club to have a signing lined up to come in on January 1st? No. So, like, realistically, we're going to be dicking around all the way through January and sign someone, like, week three or four because that's how Arsenal is run. And, yeah. So I don't know like I I'm I'm torn because I think the best way of us getting results is going to be go back to the back 3 but we know it doesn't create much. Um, but looking at, at those
0: time, looking at those games do you think it's just sort of come to me now that this is partly why he's sort of sticking with the 4 in the last couple of weeks because between now and middle of January we've got Newcastle, Palace, Southampton, mm-hmm. Burnley mm-hmm. all at home and we've got West Brom away and yeah. Brighton Right, yeah. in a way. So they're, they're games where we're going to have to create more.
1: I, I think what we will see, and I, I I think it will work, because there's a point at which you have enough attacking players to do it, is like we will have some kind of a Bamiang with Lacazette behind him, Saka left and Pepe right, like front mm. four. Um, I think Pepe has to come back in. As soon as he's he's available, because he's been good in in Europe as well. I think we'll have that with Partey plus one behind, and that should be enough to. And we'll, we will, we will ship goals. We will get hit on the break, but like you've just got to give yourself
0: a chance to score goals. And you've got to put the right. You know, if so, we're playing four two three one with all those attacking players in the, in the three and the one. You've got to have the right two, athletic enough you know not Shaka is what i'm saying um <laughs> behind them to to enable us to get away with that and to stop those counter attacks yeah I but mean, pepe, I, on I the pepe point i plus mean A plus if, one right yeah if anyone still thinks pepe shouldn't be playing then please please tweet me because i i you know, he's not been great in the league, but I think there's a case to say that he's probably been our best attacker even in the league. Because yeah. he turned that Sheffield United game around. What what one of our forwards has turned a game around, other than him in the Premier League? And in Europe he's he stood out every game and most dangerous. Right, For him, the game was never there to be turned around because we that was the only other positive game. Here
1: we go. Here are our top scorers in all competitions this season. Who well, this is going to be boring. Who is top scorer this season in all competitions? And how many goals do they have? Is it Lacazette with three? Lacazette is joint. I'm going to, this is, anyway, it's Lacazette, joint top. Lacazette, Pepe, Aubameyang, and Ketia all have four goals. Four. Um, And the best goal-to-game ratio is Aubameyang and Lacazette both have four in 13. Uh, which is both over 200 minutes per goal. And they're our best this season. Our best goals ratio is Emil Smith-Rowe, who has one goal every 42 minutes, but he also has one goal. Um, It's not great. And and Willock's top it with assists, right? Willock has actually two goals and three assists in nine games, which is really not bad. I know
0: that includes Europe. So Mm. it's not great. Um, So thinking about the Burnley game then, we've, We've been crossing a lot in the last few games. Burnley are a team that will be very happy to look at what Wolves and Spurs have done, force us wide, cross the ball, because they will back themselves to be dealing with that kind of attack. So how would you approach that game? It feels like we need to... Yeah, it feels like we need to do something more through the middle. So the likes of Smith-Rowe and Willock, would you... Would you get them involved? Because
1: uh, at some mm, point, at some point, I think Willock. I think Willock will have to right. He didn't.
0: He he kind of got
1: rested for the Europa game and didn't play yesterday. That sounds like someone who's going to be playing a lot of first team football, given he started the last few games.
0: Yeah, I think. I think it was a, he was planned to play in the Spurs game. And I think it was a fact that Lacazette did quite well on Thursday. Got a goal. His confidence was up. And I think Arteta went with Lacazette. But mm. I, I think had a, had Lacazette not scored on Thursday, Willock would have played yes, yesterday.
1: Let, let's see how, how Smith Rowe does it on Thursday. Because I'm sure he's going to play Thursday and then we'll go from there. Um, yeah. So, I guess last but not least, should we do a prediction for Burnley?
0: Mm. And then call it a night. You go. You go first. I, not just the score. I want a two-line summary of how the game's going to go. It's a home game, isn't it? Yeah. Arsenal... 7-15 blockbuster again on Sunday night. So
1: after my 0-0 Wolves projection was, was correct, because if you actually if you adjust it for concussions, no one scored after David Luiz went off. I am going for... I think we're going to score. I think it will be Arsenal one Burnley nil and I think our goal is going to come from across and I'm going to include set pieces in that but from across
0: what is yours no I think I can't imagine us not winning this game I'm scared for the state of of Twitter what what are Burnley on they're definitely below us aren't they six points Burnley, one win, three draws, six defeats. And I watched Man City absolutely obliterate them a couple of weeks ago. They did have some youth player in goal who was terrible for that game. And I think Pope's back now. But that home game, we'll have the fans back when we first Premier League game with the fans. I feel like the fans are going to be very positive, despite us being 15th in the league. And I just hope that gives us the boost. I think we win two now. But I'm not saying that with a lot of conviction, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah, that
1: was a very depressing two nil win. Okay. Who, who All right. knows? Well we both we for some reason, based on like not taking any form into account, we think we're gonna win. So <laughs> Well done us. All right. Should we should we leave it there and we can we can tune in next week and see how wrong we were? Yes. See what All right. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening to the Fresh Arsenal pod. Hopefully, we've cheered you up a bit. Um, And if not, it's not our fault. Blame the club. I have been JB. And
0: I've been PB. And we will see you soon.